All right, welcome back for a new season of Divinal Intervention. We are kicking off season two today. And before we do that, we just want to thank all of our loyal listeners and downloaders out there. Uh, And just wanted to let you know that here in season two, we're definitely going to try to post more content on Instagram in between episodes. So check that out. There's going to be some additional features that we're going to bring you. And uh, we're also going to try to bring episodes uh, on a more regular and uh, faster pace. So uh, definitely keep an eye out for us. If you've heard us before, if you're just checking us out for the first time, uh, we think you're going to really be satisfied with Season 2. also want to give a big shout-out to my team here, uh, especially my executive producer, who is also my wife and biggest fan. So uh, thank you for continuing to support the podcast. Looking back at, uh, in preparation for this season, I kind of look back at episode one of our first season, and uh, in that episode, there was a lot of discussion about classic rock and, and classic rock radio, where I expressed my increasing dissatisfaction with classic rock stations, uh, not just now, but probably for a decade or more now. And my point was that any fan of classic rock or, or classic rock artists tend to have much larger playlists that they would like to hear than the stations that uh, are are playing these these uh, artists and these songs for them. You know, and it's almost to the point where entire albums from really uh, major staple bands of classic rock radio are completely ignored, and if not ignored, uh, maybe one maybe two songs off of the album are played. And I'd like to kind of expand on that idea and give you a little bit of a uh, some, some real-world examples of exactly what I'm talking about, about the unnecessary limitations on the playlist of classic rock radio. And when I was thinking about this in that uh, inaugural episode, the band that I was initially thinking about was, of course, Led Zeppelin, which, if you are like me and grew up uh, listening to rock radio in the early mid seventies, uh, you could not escape Led Zeppelin, and Le- Led Zeppelin was really um, the essence of classic rock and classic rock radio. And so, so many songs, a huge following, even up until the present time. But the stations that you listen to really tend to play maybe a fistful of songs from Zeppelin, even though Zeppelin is, again, one of the most beloved bands of of that time and and continuing. And what made me think of Zeppelin especially was uh, my personal experiences down in Tampa, Florida in the late 80s. And for those of you who were familiar with this story, um, I suspect you're going to remember it fondly, but if you're not familiar with it, you can look it up because it's actually uh, on the Google machine. And uh, look up 98 Rock, WKRL, in Tampa. And in late 1989, early 1990, the station decided to become an all-Zeppelin, all-day-long radio station. So they went away from their, their normal classic rock pattern, and they decided that they would play nothing but Zeppelin all the time. Now, again, at the beginning, it was really enlightening to hear all of these great songs and hearing, you know, deep cuts and some of the albums that don't get played quite as often. And there was actually genuine excitement down there when that was happening. 
Um, and admittedly, it got a little stale after a while. So they, they started to add uh, each week or month. I, I don't really remember which it was, but uh, each regular period of, of time, each interval, they would take a, a listener's poll to decide what band's library would be added to their their song lists for that week or that, that month. And eventually it got to be um, essentially back to a classic rock station again. And I don't know if that was done just as a gimmick or whether that was uh, some way of, of maybe sabotaging the radio station to make it sell. Um, but the bottom line was it really opened my eyes to how limited uh, some of the playlists were and, and how refreshing it was to hear some of those Led Zeppelin songs that you only hear if you listen to your own collection and if you listen to entire albums at a time, which, again, I tend to do myself, but when I'm in the car or if I want to listen to the radio, uh, I just don't like to be stuck with the same old, same old. So speaking of Zeppelin, let's look at one of the, to me, underutilized or underrepresented albums on classic rock radio, and that's Led Zeppelin III. Uh, to the extent they're going to play anything off Led Zeppelin III, it's going to be, of course, Immigrant Song. And that's not to take away from Immigrant Song, which is a fantastic uh, song and a great, great way to start that album. But, oh, and actually, as a Minnesota Vikings fan, I also have a, a soft spot for that song. But uh, bottom line is, there's plenty more on that album that you could really uh, feature if you're a DJ or if you're a station manager. And since I'm kind of a quasi-DJ right now, I will play Out on the Tiles from Led Zeppelin 3.
So another underplayed album, uh, to my mind, uh, from Led Zeppelin is Physical Graffiti. And by the time, you know, this double album uh, comes out, uh, Led Zeppelin really is at the peak of their powers. And they're, uh, they're probably at the peak of their popularity at that time. And again, they put out a double album, which is really chock full of, of great songs. And you would not know that uh, from, again, listening to rock radio, where to the extent they play anything from physical graffiti, you're almost certain to hear Kashmir. And, you know, again, I, I can certainly see the popularity of that song. I enjoy the song. It's a significant step forward for the band musically. And, uh, and so I get it, but I don't know why it's played to the exclusion of the rest of the songs on that album, including the song that follows right after, which is Trampled Underfoot. So let's listen to that now. One of the other things that reminded me uh, to do this kind of episode, uh, in addition to you know talking about it in the inaugural season, was the discussion surrounding the 50th anniversary of the release of the Rolling Stones' Goat's Head Soup. And uh, this was a couple months back, and I, I remember thinking that that's, that's really kind of a forgotten album at a 
really good period for the Rolling Stones. Uh, they were putting out some really uh, solid work at that time, and Goat's Head Soup, I think, is right in there. And yet, when they started talking about the anniversary, my first thought was, well, great, I can't wait to hear Angie every hour on the hour um, as they celebrate the release of that album. Uh, and again, a, a quality, quality album, and one that really should be featured more often, given where it fits in, in their catalog. So here's one I'm going to play that I, I think unquestionably appeals to casual Stones fans as well as hardcores, um, but which you just rarely, if ever, hear on classic rock radio. And so here's a song called 100 Years Ago. Walking through the woods the other day And the world was a carpet laid before me The birds were busting and the air smelled sweet and strange Seemed about a hundred years ago Mary and I, we were set up on the gate Just gazing at sun-driving in the sky of course the one and only Billy Preston on the organ on that one uh, Billy Preston one of the many who have been identified as the fifth Beatle 
but uh, Billy Preston was getting a lot of good work uh, at that time, uh, doing work for the Stones, of course, and the Beatles, um, but also releasing really quality solo albums at that time. And uh, depending how long we run this podcast, uh, I may run into an episode where I feature Billy Preston more fully because I think he is, I think, an overlooked solo artist. I, I think he gets a lot of credit for, for being a sideman for some of these larger rock bands. But he really did uh, some very interesting and, and some quality work on his own. So keep that in mind, Mr. Billy Preston. So let's fast forward a decade uh, with the Stones and, and feature something from Tattoo You. So Tattoo You, they're coming off of, you know, to be a, a lesser period for the Stones. You've got, uh, you know, they're coming off of Emotional Rescue immediately prior to that and and before that, Some Girls, which is, I, I think, a good album, not a great one from the Stones. Um, so I think Stones fans were really uh, hoping for something uh, of, a, of a greater quality. And I think they certainly got it with Tattoo You. And it opens with what turns out to be an absolute monster of a song, which is Start Me Up. And make a huge splash. A song that you still, to this day, hear in all different places not just on radio, not just on rock radio. So that, that's a huge song. But Tattoo You has a lot of great songs on it. And uh, included in that was, was Waiting on a Friend, which uh, MTV played pretty regularly when it first came out. But I just don't recall hearing that on the radio very often. Uh, and you have a, another one of those great uh, Keith Richards songs, Little TNA, which I thought about featuring, but given that this is a family-friendly radio station, I have decided to stay away from that one. And so instead, I'm going to feature Hang Fire.
So another band that was unquestionably a, a foundational band on classic rock radio was The Who. And so in the early 70s, they come out with the Who Are You album. And a really solid, really consistently good album. But again, you won't know that unless you, you listen from it uh, end to end. And uh, instead, what you tend to hear is the title track, Who Are You? And uh, I think it really does a disservice to that album, but it also does a disservice to listeners who I think, if they are not familiar with that album, would like some of the songs off of it. But if they are, uh, they would love to be reminded of it. Uh, for example, the one I'm going to play right now, which is Sister Disco. As I walk through that hospital door, I was sewn up like a cup. I got a smile from the bite of the wind. Watch the fresh ball of For those of you who are interested, uh, if you don't already know this, there's an excellent version of that song on the Concerts for Campuchia, uh, the live album, benefit album that the, the Who participated in, uh, and they get an entire side uh, of that double album, uh, including Sister Disco, which I think is a, 
a good rendition of it. I got Kenny Jones on drums instead of uh, Keith Moon, who of course was on the studio recording, but uh, that's Sister Disco. And uh, right before the Who Are You album, uh, again, at a good period for the Who, between Quadrophenia and Who Are You, uh, you get Who by Numbers, which to my ears uh, is a little bit more uneven of an album, not one of the stronger Who albums. And strangely enough, they play one of the weaker songs all the time on the radio, which is Squeezebox. You know, as a, as a kid, I liked that song. I, th- I thought it was very catchy. Uh, as a teenager, I really liked that song because it was not only catchy, but it was also funny and uh, filled with double entendre, which uh, any teenage boy can appreciate. But there are better songs on the album, and one of them is the opener. The opener uh, on that album is Slip Kid. about forgotten albums from huge bands, or I guess as I could say, uh, forgotten albums from unforgettable bands, um, which I guess is the theme for this whole episode, Uh, and that's Pink Floyd. Uh, Pink Floyd among the titans of rock radio, especially in the 70s, throughout the 70s really, Um, you know, early mid-70s, but then again with The Wall uh, in the late 70s. you really could not escape Pink Floyd. Uh, 
on rock radio, but you could escape the Animals album. You know, sitting between Wish You Were Here and The Wall, it's almost as if that album never existed, which, you know, to me is very strange because, again, I was listening at that time, and that that album, the, the songs off of Animals, were played very regularly, and there was a lot of excitement around the release of that album. But since that time, although the album, I think, has aged very, very well, uh, you hear no songs played from that one. And so I'm going to remedy that today, and uh, I am going to play uh, an excerpt. Of course, I can't play the whole song, unfortunately, given its length, but I'm going to play an excerpt from Dogs. And uh, this one is notable to me for two things. One, it's, it's a fantastic David Gilmore solo. I think one of his better. Um, but also, I have fond recollections of listening to this album with my dog in the room, and uh, as you know, if you've heard this song, it becomes very confusing for our canine friends. So here is a clip from Dogs.
And that brings us to the final cut, which is the final Pink Floyd album with Roger Waters in the band. And again, coming off of the release of The Wall, uh, which was, as you well know, an enormous success, uh, not just on rock radio, but all around, uh, including uh, at the movie theater. But um, The Wall really gets expanded. I think Roger Waters expands uh, some of the themes from The Wall into some more political, more societal uh, considerations. Um, And yet, to the extent that they ever played any songs off of this album, uh, they played Not Now John, which was uh, the one one song uh, written by David Gilmour, which kind of gets outside of the theme, the central theme of the album. And so we're going to feature one of those that's in the central theme of the album, and that's uh, from Roger Waters, Your Possible Pasts. They flutter behind you, your possible pasts. Some bright-eyed and crazy some frightened and lost A warning to anyone Still in command Of their possible future To take care In derelict sightings The pop is entwined With cattle trucks lying in wait For the next time
So the last band that we're going to feature is one that I think you might be familiar with, and that is the Beatles. Hard to escape the Beatles in our general culture. Certainly hard to escape the Beatles on the radio. And really, really, really hard to escape the Beatles on rock radio. And yet, you have albums like Revolver. If you've got any familiarity with, uh, with Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys, if you've ever uh, seen interviews with him or, or read any of his biographies, uh, you'll know that, that Brian Wilson cites Revolver as just a total game-changer of an album with respect to uh, instrumentation, production values, um, just the overall makeup of the album and, and the songwriting. And so, of course, he tries to follow this blueprint uh, by expanding his palette with the Pet Sounds album. At which point, those four lads from Liverpool decide to drop Sgt. Pepper in response. So, uh, a cool, friendly rivalry uh, between the Beach Boys, or specifically Brian Wilson, uh, and the Beatles. So, given that, uh, of course, this whole album is in constant rotation on rock radio, right? Not so much. Generally, from this one, you'll probably hear Eleanor Rigby, which I think is a, a really good example of what Brian Wilson is talking about. Um, the use of the strings uh, in Eleanor Rigby, uh, not something you generally would expect in, on a rock album, uh, and yet here it is. And also, you know, you occasionally will hear Yellow Submarine, uh, a very favorite of mine and of my household, especially my kids. And uh, again, Yellow Submarine, very interesting instrumentation, very interesting production values, but that's about all you're going to get. And so instead, I'd like to feature one that no doubt Brian Wilson focused on when he was wondering how he was going to respond. And that is, I'm only sleeping.
which then leads us to the Let It Be album, the beginning of the end for the Beatles. From the Let It Be album, you do get some radio play. You certainly get the title track, Let It Be. Uh, you occasionally will get Long and Winding Road uh, and maybe Get Back. But it's interesting that among all the other songs that are overlooked on that album, the one that opens the album, which is highly biographical and really gives you a feel for where the Beatles are in the studio and are as a band, is a song called Two of Us. And so I want to play that now. I Dig a Pygmy by Charles Hawtrey and the Deaf Aids. Phase one in which Doris gets her oats. this episode literally forever bands that that i would feature if uh if i had a little more time or or if i uh, decide to do another one of these episodes uh i mean i think black sabbath certainly fits in here uh zz top uh between you know their early stuff and and anything after eliminator when they became mtv stars um super tramp you know, a, a band whose uh, album Crime of the Century, I think, is one of the really great works 
uh, of of classic rock and which was played uh, i think every track on that album was played when it first came out um, but if to hear it now you'd think that breakfast in america was their only album you know and getting back to sabbath i mean other than paranoid you really don't hear anything even though uh, black sabbath and especially their album sabbath bloody sabbath uh, have to be considered uh, the roots of the entire grunge movement. Um, just listening to the the second uh, bridge in Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, the title track, uh, will show you everything you needed to know about Seattle in the early 90s. Uh, and yet you'll never hear that track or anything off that album uh, on rock radio. So again, I could I could talk about this forever. There's, there's a million of them. Um, so... Uh, to the extent that people are enjoying this episode, and just let us know on Instagram or Facebook what you think about uh, this, and whether you've got some other bands that maybe we should feature, and uh, maybe we'll do this again sometime. Uh, but for the meantime, uh, this has been Divinal Intervention, and we look forward to talking with you again very soon. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.